We are continuing the study of the I am's of Jesus, in particular, I am the life. Catching our minds up to that, Jesus declared of himself in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 17, this is life eternal that you might know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And in John 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So, so life pertains to him. You know, it's, it's evident in these scriptures and many others. He's the bread of life. He's the light of life. Life pertains to him. To have life is to have Christ. That simple statement, if we could get a hold of that simple statement, for me to live is Christ. To have life is Christ. The measurement of living is Christ. These are simple statements, but in my heart they're profound as they've been shared with me by the Spirit of God in the seeing of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes it profound, not that I said it. What makes it profound to me is seeing it in the scripture and seeing it by the spirit of God declared in my heart. That's what makes it profound to me. I could say a lot of things and they're really not profound unless the spirit of God has declared it in me and I'm declaring out of what he showed me that it makes it profound or or if you do it, it makes it profound. We don't make it profound. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm trying to say. We, believers in Christ, we don't make it profound. He does. And it can be profound as he declares it in us. Well, anyway, back in John 6, we were here last week. Jesus says in John 6, Verses 35 through 41, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Now, that's a, that's a profound statement. Why that is profound is because what the prophets had declared, in particular the prophet Isaiah, of how God would anoint one, send him in their midst, and he would heal the sick, that the lame would walk, the blind would see, the deaf would hear. All of that was going on. And Jesus said to him, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. That's profound. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who has sent me, or who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. Everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Therefore, the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. 
Everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. Now, Apostle John writes not only in the Gospel of John, but in his epistle, that we have passed from death to life. He writes, he that hath the Son have life. So, so somehow, there are those that have beheld him that didn't behold him physically. Now, these Jews, they were beholding him physically. And he was doing the works that was declared by the prophets in their midst. So he was physically doing the works. He was doing the works of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And they testified of who he was. And this went on in Jerusalem, in Judah, in, in all the places of Israel that Jesus walked. This went on. So here the Jews grumbled that he had said he's the bread that came down out of heaven. You have to eat of him. You have to eat of him. And this is the way it is even now. In order to have this life, I have to eat of him. If I don't have him, I don't have this life. There are those declaring that you have this life without eating of him. And I believe that's impossible. I believe that Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have this eternal life. Well, I want us to focus on this statement, though. Who beholds the Son? Well, in the book of Galatians, and I'm not saying I know this for a fact, that there were no Galatians that were at the crucifixion, but I would almost believe that all of these folks were not physically at the crucifixion of Jesus. When Paul writes this text to them or this letter to them, in Galatians chapter 3, he says, O foolish Galatians who have bewitched you, that you, you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. So Jesus Christ is set forth, Paul says, among the Galatians. This only would I learn of you, receive you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith, are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He, therefore, that ministered to you the spirit and work of miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Well, anyway, Christ is set forth among the Galatians, crucified among them. Now, I believe this setting forth, crucified among them, is by the Spirit of God. That how he's been revealed or made known or manifest among the Galatian church that Paul's writing to is by the Spirit of God or was by the Spirit of God. With that thought in mind, I want you to turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. 
and start at verse one. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And remember, as you read this, Jesus said he is from above. And he told the Jews they are from beneath. So the things above are the things of him. All right. So we set our affections upon the things of Christ and not on the things of the earth or the natural man. For we're dead. The reason we do that is we're dead. We're dead to the natural man, and we're alive unto Christ. That's We've dealt with that over and over again, and that's the book of Romans 6. Declares that. Paul declares that multiple places, but the book of Romans 6, or the chapter of Romans 6, is, is profound. I guess that word is stuck in me today. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. All right, so your life is hid with Christ in God. So your life, you're dead to the things of the earth, the old man. Notice this. Your life is hid with Christ in God. So it's hid. Something hid is something that's not seen or known. But verse 4 says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Now, I want us to break this down a little bit. This word appear is the word phanero in the Greek. It's Strong's number 5319. It means light. It comes from the word that means light. It means properly illuminate, make manifest, make plain, in open view to become apparent. So it's something that's rendered apparent. And it comes from the word false, 54, 57, properly light, especially in terms of its results, what it manifests. In the New Testament, the manifestation of God's self-existent life, divine illumination to reveal and impart life through Christ. Now, this is a definition of light, of false. The word that Fenero comes out of. So when he is revealed, when he shall appear, then we appear with him in glory. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, how does this happen? Well, I used to look at this word that when Jesus physically appeared, then I would go to glory. But that's not what he's saying. You know, in Colossians chapter 1, Paul says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's what Paul says. Paul says that the mystery that had been hidden from ages and generations that is made now known to his saints is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, so Christ is in us. You know, he, Paul, Paul declares this over and over again, Christ is in us. So we come to know Christ is in us. Now he that's in us has to be rendered apparent, made 
visible, revealed, made known, manifest. There's a lot of words we can use here. And there's a lot of words, I believe, that pertain to this in your Bible that actually pertain to Christ being revealed. So Christ is our life. All right. That's fantastic to know, but what does that mean to my soul? What he is, the substance of him, has become my life. Now, well, then how do I know the substance of him? The Spirit of God takes him and shows him to us. And, and inquisitive minds want to know. We want to know how. how. How does the Spirit of God do that? Because he's in us. That's the how. He's in us. So now that he's in us, he can be made visible to us or made known to us or rendered apparent to us, all these words we can use. So, so again, John 16, Jesus said that when the Spirit of God would come, howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he should not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak, shall he speak. And he will show you things to come, and he shall glorify me. There's that word glory again, glorify. We shall appear with him in glory. Well, the spirit of truth is going to glorify him. For he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. So here's how he's going to glorify him. The spirit of truth receives that of Christ and shows it to us. All things that the Father have are mine, therefore said I, that he should take a mine and show it to you, unto you. A little while you shall not see me, and again a little while you shall see me, because I go to the Father. So, so this seeing of him, this Christ being glorified by the Spirit is in you. This is in you. We shall appear with him in glory. That word with deals with union. We appear in union with him in his glory. That's, that's what happens. We appear in union with him in his glory, united with him. Hallelujah to the lamb of the living God. That word with in, is a Strong's word, 4862, and it means, or, or it means a uh, primary preposition denoting union with or together, but much, cl much closer than a couple other words, that is by association, companionship, process, resemblance, possession, so it's dealing with our being united with him by the Spirit of God. It's not an external dealing, but an inward. Just like you read in Romans 6, you're baptized into his death. Well, I'm not physically put in his death, but I am inwardly by the Spirit of God baptized into his death. I'm buried in his burial, and I'm raised up in his life. That's what Paul declares in Romans 6. So this union is 
is Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we appear with him in glory. Now, glory in John 17, John 17, Jesus says that they may behold my glory. That's what he says. But even before that, in John 17, In verse 7, Jesus said, John 17, Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. He shall glorify me, he says of the Spirit of God. In John 16, we read it. Jesus tells us the location where he's going to be glorified at. I am glorified in them. So this was what was going to transpire when Jesus went back to the Father that he would come and indwell us. And now the glory that he has would be made known in us. And that's what Paul's talking about in Colossians 3, that our life is revealed and we are joined to it as it's revealed. When Christ, who is her life, is rendered apparent by the Spirit of God, then we're rendered apparent with him. We're made one with him. We see that of him. And we see it that that of him would, would fill us, form in us. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. See, see, John 17 is such a, such a beautiful book of the Bible. It, it's so powerful. Verse 19 of John 17 says, for their, Jesus says, For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you in the same relationship that God is in Christ and Christ is in God, we would be in him. That's what he's praying. Not just with him, sitting beside him, but in him, that the substance of our being would be Christ. That they may be one in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one in us, just as we are one. This, this is the goal, folks. This is the goal. I know people have got a lot of goals about their salvation in Christ, but here it is, that we would be one. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I in them and you in me that they may be perfected in unity or perfected in one. I and them and you and me, 
that they may be perfected in one, so that the world may know that thou hast sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they may see, that's the same word as behold, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That his glory might be rendered apparent in our soul. That's, I believe, what Jesus is saying. He's, he's clearly saying that we would be in him. He would be in us. And we come to that realization by the Spirit of God that he's in us and we're in him. But now that we come to that realization that he's in us and we're in him, that we would behold his glory. Why? To be changed into the same image by the Spirit of the Lord. That's actually in your Bible. In 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 11. For that which fades away was with glory much more that which remains is in glory. And Paul's dealing with the old covenant and the new covenant here. So that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a hope, we use such great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened for until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts, the veil of flesh, the veil of the natural understanding. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. So we're looking into the mirror that we would be one. Remember that. And what we're beholding is the glory of the Lord. And here's the purpose of beholding the glory of the Lord. Are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So we're changed from glory to glory. Now, I used to believe this meant glory to glory to glory to glory. Well, if I look at this chapter closely, Paul's talking about the glory of the old and the glory of the new. Now, there's an ever-increasing glory of the new who is Christ, but it's not from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's from glory of the old to the glory of Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And as we see this glory of him, we are transformed. We are changed. We hold on 
to that of him. Now, this is what he declared in his word, that we would be one. Well, if I'm one with him, if I'm in unity in his life, then his life is in me, and then that of his life can come out of me. Then that of his life can reside in my being. That's what I read here. I, that's what I believe, that that life that is Christ can reside in my being, and that my being can reside in his life. That's what I believe salvation is, and I'm not waiting for over there for that to happen. I'm realizing that by the Spirit of God, as Christ has been disclosed, revealed, made known in my heart, in my soul in my mind, so much so that it's transforming me into the same image, into the eternal weight of glory of Christ, in the eternal life of the Son of God. Hallelujah. Now, to me, that's salvation. I don't see anything greater than his life in me. And I don't see anything greater than me comprehending or, or obtaining to, if I could say it that way, his life. And I can't obtain it myself. That's, that's where we become frustrated because we read things in the Bible. And we, you know, we try to obtain them ourselves. They're revealed, they're made known, they're disclosed by the Spirit of God. And we apprehend them by faith of him, by realization of him. So this whole walk is a walk of faith, a walk, you could say, of seeing the Lord, of, of, of having our life revealed and coming to a place that we're dwelling in it. And I use an example of peace often because God has just made peace real in my heart. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So his peace is real to me, in me, in my being. I enjoy it. I enjoy the peace of God and how it ministers to my heart. I really do. And I love for God's people to enjoy it. I love for for a lot of despair and anguish to be done away with. That's in God's people. It shouldn't be there because he's our life. The reason it shouldn't be there is he's our life, and, and the fruit of him is what should be there. So we can read about the fruit of him, and we and, and we and then we as soon as we do, we go, I've got to obtain love, peace, gentleness, kindness, meekness. Well, I, I agree with that, but it's the how-to. Because we'll step out and say, well, I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> what image comes in my mind, as I said, that was the folks with King David. I was probably getting the stories mixed up of uh, Aaron's sons. But the folks with King David, they're going to reach out and take hold of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord themselves. 
And of course they died. And we ourselves face the death of the cross, but the spirit of God leads us into this glorious union and we behold him and are transformed to where peace, joy, holiness begins to be formed in us. Integrity, all these things that we have aspired for begin to be part of our being because that's who he is. That's why they're part of our being. That's who he is. And what he is is being formed in him as he's being revealed by the Spirit of God. So that's why he has to be revealed. That's why the light of him has to shine in the heart. That's why Paul declared it. You, you know, in type and shadow, I believe that's what that old covenant, Holy of Holies, represented that there was no light there but the glory of the Lord. You know, the, the high priest took in the incense and the fire and they entered in and the smoke filled that place, that part of the temple and the tabernacle. And there in the midst was the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord lightened that place and what was seen was these two cherubim of one beaten work beholding, beholding the glory of the Lord. And, and, this, and they're beat out of one work of gold. And, and to me, this speaks of our union and relationship with him in his throne. Set your affection on things above. You're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, so right there in that third compartment of the tabernacle, those cherubims are, are beat, formed out of the same work of gold. And they're, they're I believe, in type and shadow beholding the glory in a glass, the glory of the Lord. They're, they're looking at the glory of the Lord. They're looking at the glory of the Lord. And what's coming out from seeing the glory of the Lord is perfection. Hallelujah. Perfection. You are complete in him. That's what's coming out of seeing the glory of the Lord. Because they're sitting in the room that's filled with God's glory, with his eternal presence. And I believe this picture is, is what Paul is writing of in fulfillment in 2 Corinthians 3, that we behold the glory of God and we're changed, transformed into the same image that we see but we have to behold it. That's what we started with in, in John's gospel, who beholds the son and believes will have eternal life. Now, now when we receive him, we have life is in us, but, but we looked at this definition of have to hold, to hold it, to possess it, that it would be part of our being. So that's why we need to, enter in and behold it. See, see Paul in Ephesians 1 prays for the Ephesians 
to come to this place that Christ is being revealed in them. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Hallelujah. The eyes of your deep thought, the eyes of your heart be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power, might and dominion in every name that can be named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So here Paul prays after he heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus. Similar to 1 Corinthians 1, which we read, I believe, last week. After he acknowledged the testimony of Christ, that Christ would be revealed, that they would come to reveal it. Also similar to 1 Peter. And maybe in the coming week, we'll look at how similar these are. But in 1 Peter, Peter talks about waiting for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul's praying that they would have revelation in the knowledge of him. In the eyes of their understanding, the eyes of their heart. I believe that's what one translation says, the eyes of the heart the inward man would come to see him. He sees him by the word of the Spirit, by the revealing of the living word of God in the heart. That's how we see Jesus. We see him in glory. Perfected. Fullness. All authority, my Lord, and that image of him begins to be formed in us to be displayed in the earth through these earthen vessels. Amen. That's what happens, that we become the savor of him in every situation. That he is manifest through us. So for him to be manifest through us, he has to be, I believe, formed in us. Now he's in us. He's in us by virtue of being born again. But he that's in us has to be formed. His substance has to be formed in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, in our being so that our being would express him that's in us other than ourselves. That's what Paul means, that, that we no longer henceforth live unto ourselves, but we live unto him 
who hath redeemed us. Well, how do I live unto him unless I know him? And how do I know him unless the Spirit of God show him to me? I won't. I won't. So we come to this place that the Spirit of God can reveal Christ, that we know our life, and we can express our life. See, this is eternal life. What, what we have as eternal life is him. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. So the eternal life that I have in eternity, you know, we, we talk about eternity. We Christians love to talk about eternity. But we talk at it as over there. And what I'm telling you is eternity is not an over there. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ, the Lord. That's eternity. That we are eternal eternally in him well you say how can that be well god is a spirit god is a spirit and he's brought us to himself to make himself known and how he makes himself known is through the revealing of the son of god the living word in our hearts that's how god is made known and I love this. I love this so much that God would reveal himself in us. That we would be partakers of him in nature, in character. No, no, not as being God. See, that's the ego and the arrogance of us sometimes that we want to, you know, be more than what we are. We're his body. We're united to him. And his substance is in us. And, and, and that's why miracles, natural miracles happen. That's why prophecies happen. That's, that's why these things are real. But what I want to center upon is the spiritual reality of him that's in us. That the realness of him would be made known. Yes, the substance affects the natural, just like I said. Not just, not just in prophecies, not just in healings. It, it do, he does that. But it affects situations. And that's what I want to see in my own walk with the Lord is, is this peace being brought into situations, this joy being brought into situations, this comfort. For example, being brought into places where there's fear and torment because we're walking in the comfort of the Lord. And because we're walking in the comfort of the Lord as he is, so are we in this present world. We can bring what he is. So we can bring comfort. We can bring joy. We can bring the divine nature. Hallelujah. One last scripture, and I'll be done today, and we'll pick this up, Lord willing, next week. In 1 John 3, 2, it says, Behold, beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that if he becomes manifest, Fenero rendered apparent, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. See, 
This to me is the same thing that Paul's writing in Colossians 3 when he is rendered apparent in our hearts. And John dealt with them that they were children of God. But when the Son is revealed, when the Son is rendered apparent, then they will be like him. Then that that he is will be manifest. Glory to God. That's coming to maturity. That's growing up in him in all things. To me, that's the manifestation of the sons of God is when he's manifest in us and his substance flows out of us. You know, I, I, I believe most people see that as an event someday. But I see him being manifest as he's made real in us and flows out of us. Well, anyway, we'll stop right here today. And may the Lord just richly bless you in the knowledge and understanding of the person of Jesus Christ. I mean that. May he richly, richly bless your heart in the reality of Christ Jesus, our Lord. God bless you. And amen.